Hi, everybody. My name is Marissa, and I'm the hostess of this Walk Come Birth Stories podcast, as well as doula and childbirth educator. Learning about your birthing community can have a tremendous impact on how and where you choose to birth. This podcast is a place to share your birth story so that other women birthing in Whatcom County can hear firsthand experiences of how women chose their providers, whether or not they took childbirth classes, if they hired a doula, why they chose to birth where they chose, and anything else that might come up during our conversations. Remember to be respectful of everybody's stories and please enjoy this podcast. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, I talk with Amanda. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist at Connect Northwest here in Bellingham. She and I talk about a bunch of different things, mostly um, revolving around the childbearing years, preconception, pregnancy, birth, postpartum. Uh, We talk about it all in relation to pelvic floor physical therapy. It's a really awesome conversation, super enlightening. I learned um, a bunch of things. I hope that you are going to learn a lot, and maybe this will be the spark that gets you in to see a pelvic floor therapist and really, you know, put your put your health number one. That would be great. Um, throughout today's episode, <laughs> I have people chattering, little kids playing with Legos, making some squawking sounds, trying to add their voice into the podcast. Anyways, enjoy today's episode. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's so um, so important. It is. I was just like talking to someone today about um, like an older lady in her 60s, but just like how she would have maybe benefited from pelvic floor stuff like a long time ago to prevent some of the stuff she's working on now. So. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> I would, you know, but it, and it's funny that you, you know, it's like, oh, I wish that she would have had it when she was younger. But like people now still, I feel like don't even know what pelvic floor therapy is I or know, like how important totally. it is. So let's let that bring that bring us into this. So like, tell me okay. a little bit about like your practice and your philosophy around physical therapy. And then also, you know, so like physical therapy also like kind of more centered maybe even around the childbearing years specifically, you know, just like pregnancy yeah. and having babies and everything like that. Yeah. Well, um, so my practice is connect Northwest physical therapy and, um, it's a pelvic health specialty physical therapy clinic. So, um, if you have any kind of pelvic floor issue or pelvic girdle pain, um, if you're pregnant or postpartum, like that's kind of our bread and butter, but Um, pelvic health physical therapy is pretty broad and there's a lot of things that are covered under that including some like orthopedic stuff too so even though we are a pelvic floor physical therapy clinic we work with people who have incontinence or prolapse or pelvic pain Um, some of those common pelvic floor issues but we also see a lot of people who have like a sacroiliac joint pain Mm -hmm. or low back pain or hip pain those kind of things um in general like i think um we do see a lot, like you said, we see a lot of women who are in the childbearing years. So during mm-hmm. pregnancy and postpartum, and it's really wonderful because, um, in the world of pelvic health, we're in a really great position to do a lot of preventative care, which, um, I, I think PT, all PT should be that way. Like, I think we should, we are really in a position as physical therapists to provide preventative care, but mm-hmm. that's not really how our medical model is set up. So usually, if you go to a physical therapist, you're going because you're already injured or you're already having an issue. And yeah. so you go see a physical therapist. So it's much more responsive than preventative. But um, when we're treating people in the childbearing years and we're able to um, see people during their pregnancy, whether or not they're having an issue, we can really set them up for a success- successful recovery Great. in the postpartum period. So that can prevent a lot of issues down the road, a lot of pelvic floor issues. It can set them up to have... Um, a better recovery as far as strength goes. And, you know, when you have a new baby, the demands on your body change a lot. And mm-hmm. so, and not only are the demands of your body changing, but your strength and your um, connective tissue and your muscles are so different. So really setting you up for success during pregnancy can prevent a lot of pain and pelvic floor issues later. Yeah. So in general, I feel like as physical therapists, regardless if it's pelvic health or not, we're positioned well to do preventative care, but we're not really set up that way. And I really love that pelvic health gives us that opportunity um, uh, to do that a little bit easier maybe than in orthopedics or um, other avenues of pelvic health or uh, physical therapy. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Do you guys have a lot of people or many people even that come in like preconception that notice maybe there's something just kind of like not right or even just to like kind of not tick all the boxes, but like, I think we want to be having a baby sometime soon. And this is some, like, does that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does happen. It doesn't happen that often mm-hmm. because usually those people are just doing it for themselves, right? They're advocating for themselves. They're asking for a referral from their doctor because mm-hmm. they want to, or paying cash to come. Like they're like, I don't care what my doctor or my insurance says. Like I want to come and like mm-hmm. find out more about my body and um, am I, you know, what's my pelvic floor status? So yes, we definitely do. And in fact, I'm working with someone right now who oh. is um, doing that. So it's been great. Yeah. Like we've kind of taught her, I think one thing um, in general, also in our culture and women specifically, we don't have a lot of education growing up about our anatomy and how mm-hmm. our bodies work. And so even providing and how our pelvic floor functions, like no one ever talks about pelvic floor function. And part of that is it's like a postural muscle. And so it just kind of works for you. You don't have to think about it a lot, but Mm -hmm. when we struggle with um, constipation or things like leaking, like, I don't think we're not very educated about why that's happening. It's kind of brushed under the rug a lot. And Mm -hmm. with that, we're not very educated about our anatomy and how things work down there. And so um, when people come in, I guess more preventatively or just out of curiosity, it's really awesome because we teach them a lot about their anatomy and how the pelvic floor works and Mm -hmm what happens during pregnancy and postpartum and how it works just on a day-to-day even without pregnancy and postpartum and what to expect during pregnancy and postpartum and so yeah there's a there isn't a lot of people that do that but there are some that are curious and come in and I think they really appreciate it oh that's cool that's awesome yeah it is it's it's great when people are like so proactive about their health I'm like you're like our ideal Right. Or ideal people. Yeah. And want to set themselves up, you know, for a pregnancy and a birth and, and then going into a postpartum like as as best mm-hmm. they can. I mean, I don't you know, I mean, I think people prepare, but that's like it seems like an extra like really cool like, yes, good. You know, like I tell people all the time, I'm like, set up an appointment with a pelvic floor therapist. You're pregnant or, you know, like even people who are telling me they want to be pregnant. I'm like, maybe go and do that now and see what it's right. like. And, and just get more information about yeah. your body. And also like people I think are sometimes reluctant to exercise heavily or do the similar exercises that they do during pregnancy. So just even informing them, like it's okay to continue, you know, the type of exercise that you enjoy through pregnancy. Like you're Mm -hmm. not, you know, giving them some confidence to move through their pregnancy or into pregnancy, understanding um, that, you know, they don't have to be fearful about some of those things that I think some people are a little anxious or fearful about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, or they'll stop doing core work altogether because they're afraid of abdominal separation mm-hmm. or things like that. And so giving them more tools and education, even before pregnancy starts can really help them feel confident and um, stay healthy during pregnancy. That's awesome. I love it. Well, so let's, let's talk about like, what is pelvic floor therapy then? Because, you know, people, you know, like as much as I'm like, go see a pelvic floor therapist. I think sometimes people are like, well, but why? Like, I don't know what I'm doing that for. So like, mm-hmm. tell me <laughs> what mm-hmm. is pelvic floor therapy? Yeah. So again, going back to that, like traditional model, like uh-huh. normally probably people wouldn't see a pelvic floor physical therapist unless they're experiencing some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction and it's pretty broad so the pelvic floor physical therapist often works with people who are leaking urine or struggling with constipation Mm -hmm. or maybe have prolapse from having children like their bladder or their rectum's kind of sitting a little bit lower and they're um, pressing into the vaginal walls um, Mm -hmm. giving them that feeling of pressure or maybe they have pain with penetration like there's a lot of things that like those are the most common diagnoses or the common thing that we see Mm -hmm. as pelvic floor physical therapists so as a pelvic health specialist I and all of my colleagues are trained um specifically to assess the pelvic floor directly so that is an internal pelvic floor assessment Mm -hmm. and um so we're able to assess the muscles the nerves all of the soft tissue inside the pelvis and the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. but we're more importantly, like our training is to assess that, to see what's happening there, but then put it to like, put that into the bigger picture of what's happening in the whole body. So, um, pelvic floor specialists do address those issues, but commonly, um, we're addressing things outside of the pelvic floor to resolve those things. So we're still doing a lot of orthopedic stuff. So an example of that would be like, 
if you're having stress incontinence and leaking urine um, when you're running, for example, mm -hmm. um, we might do an internal pelvic floor assessment to see how your muscle function is. And a lot of times it's like, oh, your muscle function is actually pretty good. You have strong muscles, good endurance. Mm -hmm. So like, let's look at how you're running or like, let's look at your hip or your back and see if there's anything that might be contributing to that in the moment that you're leaking. So um, pelvic floor physical therapists have a very unique skill set that's mm -hmm. specific to the pelvic floor, but then um, the real skill is being able to take what you find and apply it to the whole person yeah, and really look at them as a whole person and what they're eating and how they're, you know, like what are their bowel and bladder habits and mm -hmm. how are they exercising and what kind of muscle strength do they have in their hips and core and those kind of things. So it is pretty broad, but if someone was to come like preventatively, like you said, mm -hmm. like I want to come and just learn more, um, it would be our evaluation and what we do would be mostly based on their goals. Like, what do you want to learn and what are your interests and like, what, you know, are you having any issues with your pelvic floor? And we probably would do an internal pelvic floor assessment, um, mm -hmm. do a lot of education. And then we would kind of talk about how that relates to the bigger picture of their life and the activities they enjoy doing and things like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's pretty broad, Yeah, but also very specific skill set that we have that we can right apply to physical therapy in general totally well you know and because it's like when people talk about pelvic floor therapy I think instantly people think like kegels right you know like oh well I'll just mm -hmm. do kegels and and everything will be fixed but it's like but that can't fix everything if it's like your hips are out of alignment or if you've been doing exercises in a completely wrong way like I had seen you guys for uh pelvic floor therapy a few years ago and it was like learning to do Oh, what was I doing? It was like, you know, like clamshells with your legs, right? Or mm -hmm. um, one of them was when you're on all fours and you kind of like kick your leg out behind you. And it was like, wow, I was turning my hips in a totally like wrong way. And, and that was being counterproductive. So. Right. Like learning some, um, like there's really no wrong way, but just learning more strategies for your mm -hmm. body and like what the goal of an exercise is and like kind of piecing. Yeah. Like you don't want to be, I just had um, listened to a, a podcast from another physical therapist. Her name is Julie Weave, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, and her and another therapist, um, Nicole Cousine just had a podcast about being a pelvic floor isolationist. And mm -hmm. so they were talking about how as pelvic floor physical therapists, we can't only get essentially what you said, like you're not only giving, pelvic floor exercises that's not the bigger picture like mm -hmm. you can have um good pelvic floor strength or good pelvic floor function and still have trouble with leaking or like SI joint pain or other things that might have pelvic floor involvement but if you don't step back and look at the bigger picture like you said strengthening around the hips and the core mm -hmm. um and work looking at movement then you might not actually resolve the problem completely so, yeah, like it does. And also doctor, I think that in our medical community, not just doctors, just in general, um, women are told to like tighten, tighten, tighten and contract mm -hmm. and strengthen. And that's going to like resolve everything. And mm -hmm. sometimes actually that can be worse. Like if people are having issues with pain or um, bladder urgency or maybe they're having trouble emptying their bladder, those are things that um, increasing the tone or the contraction of those muscles might not help and it might even make it worse. So knowing exactly what is happening and why you're having a certain issue is super important before you go into the treatment, which would be Kegels in our medical community, right? So we right. don't always know that that's like the right thing to do. And yet that's kind of what we're told and that's what people tend to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Well, that's crazy. Um, so let's, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Kegels thing like drives me nuts, but I, cause I feel like that's the only advice you ever get is like, Oh, we'll just do a bunch right. of Kegels all day, every day. And it's like only that's, that's going to solve the problem. Right. And it's kind of like, I feel like when we talk about it in the context of other physical therapy, it's like telling somebody with a knee injury to contract their quads a hundred times a day and that yeah. your knee would then all of a sudden be better without like walking, watching them walk or squat or go into stairs. Like how are they moving and how is that affecting their knee pain? Totally. is way more. So it's kind of analogous to having someone do quad sets for knee pain Yeah, <laughs> and thinking that that would, and also like that everyone with knee pain has weak quads, right? Like right. it's not the same, like everyone who leaks urine doesn't have the same problem. So you can't really prescribe the same exercise for everybody.
Yeah. Well, so let's put it in context then of like, I don't know, I feel like I want to do, you know, you've given birth and you feel like, oh no, maybe I need to go see a pelvic floor therapist. Or like when I teach classes, I'm like, everybody should just set up a visit with a pelvic floor therapist Mm -hmm. just to see. So what are reasons then people who have given birth would come in and like benefit from seeing a pelvic floor therapist? Yeah, well, I'm kind of of the opinion that, or I'm not kind of, I am of the opinion <laughs> that everybody who's had a baby or given who has given birth should come in and see a pelvic floor physical therapist because it's a pretty, um, I don't like the word traumatic, but I would say traumatic experience mm-hmm. on your body. I don't know, lack of a better word. I'm not really sure, but like your muscles are stretched, your connective mm-hmm. tissue is stretched, your, you know, like... Um, sometimes muscles are torn. You have a lot of disruption in the tissue mm-hmm. around your pelvis and in your pelvic floor and in the muscles. And if it was any other part of the body, like people would most certainly be referred to a physical therapist, like go get um, checked out, like get some manual therapy, make sure you're healing well, work mm-hmm. on your muscle strength, all of that stuff. So um, whether or not to, like, I think it's also kind of um, a misconception that you should only get pelvic floor physical therapy if you've had a vaginal birth, but oh. um, abdominal surgery and an abdominal birth or a C-section is also, mm-hmm. um, you know, it disrupts a lot of the tissue in your core and around your pelvic floor, you know, like the C-section scar right above your pubic bone is pretty close to the attachment of your pelvic floor muscles. So even with a C-section, you can experience some of the more common symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction. So it is really important. And I, even if someone's like, I feel great, I don't feel like I need it. It's, I think it's good to know your baseline. Like what is, where is everything healing? Well, um, does your tissue look really healthy? Um, do you, is there any laxity? So sometimes one thing that we look at is like around the bladder and the rectum, like do you feel any pressure or is there an increased laxity so that you know, that gives us some indication on whether or not they're ready to go back to higher level activities and Mm -hmm. how is your pelvic floor working. So you might feel really good, but it's good to also have someone look at you objectively and say like, yeah, "Yeah, it looks like things are healing really well. Your muscle strength is really good. Your coordination, like let's get you going on some higher level activities. And also with that, I think like a lot of us are told to just rest, rest, rest for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then there's that like magical six week period where you can go back to doing everything, but there's been no um, progressive exercises leading up to that. So a lot yeah. of people will start running or doing what they were doing maybe before baby was born and their body's not quite primed for that, or mm-hmm. they haven't gradually built up to um, have the resilience to start running and doing higher level exercise. So a physical therapist can help gradually increase that and guide people through an exercise regimen that can start quite early and get them doing things so that they can get back to higher level exercise when it feels like their body's ready for it. Um, and also like the, the recommendation used to be to like, you have your baby and then six weeks, you go get your six weeks follow up. Mm-hmm. But, um, the new recommendation, um, is to go in at, I think three weeks. Oh, wow. But it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really happen a lot because especially at least in our community, I think that um, it's just really hard to get in and, you know, it can be like a lot of OBs are very busy or maybe it's just taking a while to catch up to that new recommendation. But a physical therapist is a great person to see at three weeks because we can look um, kind of externally. We can talk about breathing. We can talk about pelvic floor. We can give some basic exercises. We can check the abdominal wall. Like there's a lot of things that we can do at that three week period that can set you up for better healing. And then once you get your six weeks clearance, we can do some internal work and work that way. But I feel like, um, it's really important that moms have support early on and not not wait six weeks and pelvic floor physical therapists are in a great position to provide that service. I had no idea that you guys could I mean, I just, I always assume like, okay, six weeks and that's when anybody can like decide to, you know, like you're kind of cleared through your midwife or your doctor. And I've always felt kind of like, eh, about the six week thing, but um, that's really cool that people can come and see you sooner. Yeah. And we, we don't usually do internal work at six weeks because mm-hmm. things are still healing, but okay. we, we definitely do, um, just like, how are things going? Does your neck hurt from nursing? Uh-huh. Like, do you have, you know, and providing support too. like sometimes people are having a hard time with lactation and we can 
be that person that's like, why don't you go see so-and-so or, wow, you know, like if they have, if they're worried about a diastasis or an abdominal separation, we can evaluate that there on that day and give them some things to work on. We can provide a ton of education and support. And we also screen for postpartum anxiety and depression too. I think that's pretty important. You don't want to be mm-hmm. waiting for six weeks to see your doctor to talk about how you're feeling. So, yeah. um, yeah, we are definitely equipped to do all of that. We won't do any internal work probably, though, until the six-week checkup. Okay. Do you know why providers aren't – I don't – I mean, maybe maybe they do. Do they, re- do they recommend to people during their pregnancies to make appointments with – with you guys like physical therapists or is that something that they mention at six week appoint at their <laughs> like six week appointments or like why aren't they saying that do you know like I can wish, you hypothesize I wish everybody did I think yeah. we we have luckily in the community we live in in Bellingham there's uh-huh. a pretty big um like I feel like a lot of the doctors and OB guys and midwives are very supportive of pelvic health physical therapy and do refer a lot but um and do talk to their clients about it. But I, I kind of feel like in some ways I wonder if it's like a time limiting thing. Like they don't get a ton of time mm-hmm. with their patients. And if someone's not experiencing any issues, then it might not come up. Okay. So again, it's that more of that responsive um, model where it's like, oh, you're having an issue. Then I can like send you to this person rather than, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you're growing a baby and like your the demands on your body are changing and your connective tissue is changing. Your muscle strength is changing. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are happening to your body. Why don't you go see a specialist and, you know, just for extra support and, you know, and people like love it. They come and they're like, I'm so glad I'm here. Like, I'm so, I feel so much more confident. Like I mm-hmm. know what exercises to do. Mm-hmm. They feel really set up for success and super supported. I just think that maybe, um, because we are in such like a medical model that's so responsive rather than preventative that mm-hmm. maybe they just, not everybody is getting referred. Yeah. And then there's the occasional, like, I think there is sometimes a misconception about what pelvic floor physical therapy is. And I think some doctors think it all it is Kegels, right? Yeah. And they don't, they don't value it. They don't, they right. don't see the value because that, if that is what your physical therapist is doing, then it's probably not that valuable, but hopefully right. they're looking at your whole body and really supporting you and helping you meet your own goals. And, um, and that is really valuable to a person, but I think sometimes there's just a misconception about what we do, what we actually do. Yeah. No, I definitely think, I definitely think that there is because I didn't know, I mean, I have three kids and I don't think I found out about physical therapy until I was almost pregnant with my third baby. So it was like, it took like a long time. I hadn't even heard right. of it. I hadn't even heard of it, you know and I mean? And still like being in Bellingham and in such a, you know, what feels like a progressive place and um, it's just... Yeah. And I think some of it too is like not really understanding our scope of practice. So I think maybe like incontinence or leaking or might be like one thing that you would see, like Mm -hmm. that a lot of doctors would say like, okay, go see a physical therapist for this. But Mm -hmm. other things like my pubic bone just really hurts or I'm having tailbone pain or, you know, when my partner and I try to have sex, it's kind of painful. Like, I don't think that we are, I don't know if people think of physical therapy as the first thing for that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's part of our job, I guess now is to like educate the medical community as a whole and, and just people in general so that patients Mm -hmm. can advocate for themselves, but, um, that we can, our scope of practice is quite big and pelvic health is pretty broad and that there are a lot of things that we can do to help. And hopefully people start to recognize us more and refer out more with those less, um, obvious pelvic floor issues. Totally. Totally. Well, and there's just, I I mean, even from what you're saying, like there's just so many benefits to seeing a pelvic floor therapist. So like one of them I would think is like, so I remember when I was pregnant with my first baby, my sister-in-laws were like, oh, you're going to be part of the the club of like, you know, when you laugh because you probably know, like you're when you sneeze, you're going to pee. And when you cough, you're going to pee. And um, mm. I was like horrified, like what? And then um, it like kind of started to happen. And I was like, oh, damn, you know, like kind of <laughs> like, OK, well, I guess this is just how it is. But I don't think that that's how it's supposed to be. So like I feel like we perpetuate these things amongst ourselves and right and then we just it don't becomes see, very accepted yeah like an abnormal thing is like normal which it shouldn't be so like that's a big that would be one that people I would assume come and see you guys about like is that like years after having babies or 
Yeah, I mean, that's incontinence. So leaking mm-hmm. urine or like le- leaking when you laugh or sneeze uh-huh. or cough, or even if you feel like you can't make it to the bathroom in time, like you're getting a really strong urge to pee and leak. That's definitely like one of the more common reasons people are referred mm-hmm. to us. And mm-hmm. I think exactly, especially in the postpartum period, it kind of um, gets brushed under the rug as a natural consequence of having a child. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like even among us as women, like we kind of have accepted it as something that we're meant to live with because we chose to have children. Mm-hmm. And I think that mentality, I don't, I don't like to say that it's not normal because it's, I don't, I think like, I don't want people to think that they're like abnormal because yeah. it's very, very common to have leaking, but uh-huh. it's also very manageable and treatable. And mm-hmm. so you can, you can either resolve the problem completely or greatly reduce it to the point where it's not affecting your life on a day to day. Okay. Um, just by learning about pelvic floor function and working on all of the different things that can contribute to that. So the other thing like with um, leaking is it's not always like a weakness problem. Like we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, people kind of just prescribing Kegels all the time. Mm-hmm. Pelvic floor, like you can have really strong muscles and still have leaking with some of those things. So it is important to understand all of the different factors that can contribute to that. Okay. And then, yeah, but yeah, I feel like we do definitely normalize it and just accept it as part of being a a mom. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a bummer because, and you said you asked if people come right away or Mm -hmm. years. Um, I mean, I see people in their fifties and sixties who have been, you know, Mm -hmm. leaking since they had kids, you know, 30 or 40 years prior. So, Mm -hmm. um, and they can, and it's never too late. Like, even at that later stage, like there's mm-hmm. always things to work on and improve upon. So, so there's, um, there's time to, you know, you're not in like a window. So then you're not in no. a window of, Oh crap. Well, I didn't go in those first years. So now it's just, you know, right. I can't fix it. Yeah. So you can, you can like work and strengthen and, and I mean, not always strengthen, but you know, like change. Yeah, totally. You can change the things that are contributing no matter what, what stage of life you're in. I, I think I tend to believe that the earlier intervention is better always yeah. for, for one, there's less, um, less length of time that you have to live like that. Right. Like yeah. no one wants to be peeing their pants, No, but also just, um, early intervention is just generally better. But I think later there's never a too late of a time. Like people can always, um, make improvements and see improvements. Good. Okay. That's good to know. Well, so what are some ways, like, I don't know. I don't know. Do you ever think about like, how can I get the word out about pelvic floor therapy? Mm-hmm. Like how do, how do we let more people know? So what, it, what are things that you guys do or like that you wish other people would do or to, you know, just make yeah, it aware? I think, um, I think I, I really like to connect with other providers and I like to connect with other providers, um, for the reason that I believe in collaborative care for most things in general, but yeah. also just like explaining, like, this is what we do. So they know, you know, like they uh-huh. know who we are, they know what we do, they know all of the things that we can do to support their clients and work mm-hmm. collectively together. Um, so that's my main, I like to just, um, and then also aside from providers though, I also like to connect with, um, like the patient population, yeah. whether in, in this case, like pregnant and postpartum moms, like we used to have, um, workshops. We don't since COVID, but we used to have like self-care during pregnancy and mm-hmm. setting yourself up for recovery in the postpartum period. And my, the more popular one that we used to do was called sex after birth. And I collaborated with a sex therapist and we Aww. had a workshop talking about intimacy after you've given birth or had a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, and those like just getting awareness out through those workshops or even social media um, yeah. can be really helpful, but it's just to accessing, I guess right now, like social media is kind of the way that you access people. Totally. Um, but in the past and my preferred way is connecting with people directly either through workshops or, mm-hmm. Um, just meeting other providers and people like yourself, like doulas and other Mm -hmm. people who are supporting pregnant and postpartum moms. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool that you did workshops. Hopefully those can come back. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) They will. We will, we will get them back. We've also been, um, pelvic health is, you know, speaking of like getting like the word out and stuff, we actually have a pretty high demand of pelvic health right now. So I think that's a good indication that, um, 
people are learning more about it and are more interested and curious about it. And doctors mm-hmm. are being more supportive um, of pelvic floor physical therapy. So mm-hmm. we've been really, um, it's just in a high demand right now. So we've been really busy, which has been a good thing. Um, we're helping more people. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Um, I don't want to, for- I feel like you like said it and then I kind of forgot it and then I, you said it again. So I want to um, talk to me a, or tell me a little bit more about um, pelvic floor therapy for after a cesarean because I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, I had a C-section, so it doesn't matter, you know, and it's like, well, okay, because I didn't know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so like, yeah, talk like I want to hear more about, you know, your pelvic pelvic floor area and like having a cesarean because I think that people do think like oh I didn't have a vaginal birth so there's a lot of things that I won't be like that won't impact me um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so first of all just carrying a baby for nine months is pretty disruptive to your system yeah it's like it's like just shifting your organs around and you know like all the connective tissue that kind of supports things on the inside has been stretched just like you know our our skin um you know, like our belly skin gets stretched. If mm-hmm. you think about that on the inside, some of the connective tissue on the inside has been stretched. Your pelvis changes position during pregnancy and mm-hmm. delivery, regardless if you've had a vaginal birth or a C-section, like you're kind of opening things up for that. Mm-hmm. So first of all, just carrying a baby can be a little bit disruptive to mm-hmm. your core strength, to the organs on the inside, to your pelvis, that kind of stuff. Um, if you do have a C-section, it's a major abdominal surgery. I mean, you're cutting through like seven layers of tissue Mm -hmm. and it's, um, you know, it's right above your pubic bone and underneath, um, all of that incision is your bladder. So your bladder is very, very close to that. And so Mm -hmm. are your pelvic floor muscles. So not only can your pelvic floor muscles be responsive, right? They're kind of their neighbors that are, um, getting involved and they might, they might react in some way. So sometimes people might have pain with penetration and they're a little bit confused. Like, uh-huh. well, I didn't have a vaginal birth. Like, why am I having pain? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be that your pelvic floor muscles are a little bit guarded or responsive to that surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like bladder symptoms, like bladder urgency or bladder pain can be something that people experience because of the scar tissue from mm-hmm. the C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other less common, but definitely can happen is um there are some nerves that travel through the torso and into that area where your c-section scar is so when Mm -hmm. things scar a little bit those nerves can get a little bit irritated so Mm -hmm. sometimes that looks like groin pain or hip pain or you know like deep deep pelvic pain or labial pain so a lot of it might be pain related okay um but even still like as far as like prolapse goes you think that that has something to do with delivery and there is some um evidence that pushing the baby out and that that second stage of pushing puts you at a higher risk for developing prolapse but even with a c-section because you've carried the weight of the baby and we've disrupted the tissue with the surgery like you're you could still be at risk for developing or having a prolapse even if you have a c-section so okay um a lot of things that what we do as physical therapists, well, first of all, we ask about all of these different symptoms Mm -hmm. and your bowel and bladder function. And if you're experiencing any bladder symptoms, those kind of things, but then um, we will assess the scar and kind of feel around it and underneath it. And we'll look at your range of motion and just do kind of a full evaluation, your abdominal wall. Like, so again, you're cutting through um, some of those muscles. So we want to look at your core and how well Mm -hmm. you can use your muscles there. Um, so those are kind of just some common things that can happen related to C-sections that we can help with. But definitely it's, I think what people don't understand, it's because C-sections are so common, right? Like they yeah. just happen all the time. So we don't think of it as being like a major, major surgery, but it is, it's, you're, you're disrupting a lot of tissue and we see this tiny little scar, but um, something the size of a watermelon was stretched <laughs> through that right. scar and all of the layers underneath it have been affected. So when we talk about scarring or restricted, like in my language, we talk about like restricted fascial mobility, but really what that means is that all of the layers of tissue need to slide and glide through each other and move. And sometimes they get a little dummy or not just like moving well. And that yeah. can create some of those symptoms that pain, it can create the pelvic floor issues. It can create the bladder symptoms. So I think actually having a C-section is um, a perfect time to get physical therapy. It's like any other major surgery you probably would. So, yeah, 
No, that's great. And I was, I, I think I was listening to something today even, or maybe it was the other day about how, you know, people have C-sections and then aren't referred to physical therapy, but like any other surgery, usually they're, they are recommended and, um, Mm -hmm. and encouraged. And so it's crazy that, I mean, I feel like it's crazy that, you know, having necessary, you know, after hearing all, after hearing that, that you wouldn't, you know, go see a pelvic floor therapist. Right. And even more, I think what's even more crazy, I think, is that (laughs) people leave the hospital. They have no idea. Like, they're like, I don't know. Like, I'm in a lot of pain, but like, they don't get a lot of information about how to manage. Like, can they do a little scar tissue work? Can they, you know, even like bracing themselves with a bowel movement, kind of holding their lower abdominals or side, like Mm. lying on their side to sit up instead of sitting straight up out of bed? Or like, when can I start doing any kind of activity, like the activity guidance is even pretty limited, like just rest for six weeks is kind of what they get. And then, so when we see people, they're like, I don't know, like, I just, (laughs) like, they're kind of like, I didn't get really any information. So I haven't been doing anything. And it's like, well, there's a lot of information we can give and should support, you know, like, yeah, you know, you know, we can help them. And I wish actually that, um, people could see a pelvic floor physical therapist in the hospital before being discharged and just to give them information and education about like, you know, here's what to expect and here are some things that are safe and here are some things you want to watch out for. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like here, you know, like, you know, for activity modification, here's what we recommend. And like, here are some nursing physicians. Like there's so much information that we could give people from a musculoskeletal and movement perspective. Yeah. That, we don't and I wish that we could have in fact I've often been like can I set that up at the hospital here but I don't obviously have the capacity for that with my own private practice here but I think it would be really great if we could even get to people in the hospital setting that would be awesome because I feel like people I mean I don't know you know I've heard so many people are like oh well I didn't have a vaginal birth so I was out doing things like regular you know a few days but they told But they told me, you know, like, I should get up and walk around. I need to move around because they don't want blood clots. And it's like, well, that can't be right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's different for everybody too, right? Like everybody's birth is different and um, everybody's level of tolerance to the kind of physical demand that birth requires is different. And so that's the other thing too, right? Like having someone specifically assess you and go over your goals and figure out where you need to be is really important. It's not just like a one size fits all type of scenario. Totally. Yeah. 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 So what are things that you, um, help people with during pregnancy to like facilitate either a vaginal birth or do you like, if, if people come in during their pregnancy, do you often like, like, Hey, if you have a vaginal birth, you know, these things, but also if you have a cesarean, then these things, or like, or what are things that you talk about prenatally then with people when they come in? Yeah. Um, I mean, we go a lot about like, sometimes I'll check people's pelvic floor function just to make sure that they have that ability to lengthen their pelvic floor. Like when you're giving birth, when you're bearing down or pushing, like those muscles need to relax and almost lengthen. We go over like what's called open, open glottis bulging or pushing so like they're not doing a valsalva where they're holding their breath and pushing Uh as hard as they can but they're really learning to control their pelvic floor as far as a lengthening or relaxing goes Uh with a certain breathing okay um we will go over positions that are more protective for the perineum and that's helpful i also am always like you know your provider if there's something there's something emergent you might not be able to necessarily choose but Mm -hmm. here are some options for positions yeah um we go over like if I'm seeing someone during pregnancy I'll often give them a couple of things to do in the first two to three weeks postpartum you know like we talk about a sitting station and how to do perineal care and how to help with the pain with bowel movements and Mm -hmm. what kind of exercises are appropriate to start at two weeks like you can do some like little bit of isolated pelvic floor contractions to get blood flow moving you can do some lower abdominal work you can do some certain things so giving them some guidance on activity in that those early weeks like we'll talk about that during pregnancy oh that's great um but as far as preparing for birth mostly it's like making sure their pelvic floor function is excellent um that they have a good understanding of open glottis pushing so they're not putting excessive stress on their pelvic floor or their pelvic organs mm-hmm. um and like working on positioning and getting them 
some education and training on like different positions that have a more of a protective factor on the perineum. Sometimes we'll teach like um, perineal massage um, if they oh. want to start working that on that around 36 weeks to prevent, uh -huh. you know, like a grade three or grade four tear. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what the research suggests is that like doing a perineal massage can really prevent like more, more um, excessive tearing. Yeah. And so that can be really helpful. So it, it all kind of depends on their goals. But as far as like the birthing process, those are the kind of the things that we focus on. That's really cool that you help people or like guide them at least a time or two with the, um, the perennial stretching. Cause that's one that, yeah. <laughs> that often, you know, like I'll talk about and people's eyes get really wide and they're like, what, <laughs> you know? And it's like, Oh, you know, like, you know, you usually midwives, you know, at least will give you kind of like a handout and you can find things online that kind of describe it. But to have it, you know, written and, and described to you is different than doing it. You, you know? can do it in the clinic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like we do hands-on training. We can teach them how to do it um, and give them more information about why they're doing it and mm -hmm. just like help yeah. them. Yeah. Like here's the goal. I even have them doing it like for certain time periods. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, it can be really, really helpful. And I think part of that too is confidence, right? It's like just totally. giving people the confidence that they can do it at home and they can do it on their own Yeah, is really important. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, and, and, and I also love, you know, that you talk about different pushing styles because, you know, like movies and shows and media usually do the worst job ever at kind of like depicting, <laughs> depicting what that looks like. And then, you know, and then your birth happens and, you know, if, if you were coached or not, but like having somebody also be some, you know, like reinf you know, like there's different ways to do things and, and here's this way and it'll, it'll help, you know, and to like connect that to your pelvic floor, like it'll help, it could help your pelvic, it could help your pelvic floor if you do this, you know, like while you're pushing, I think that that's really, really cool too. Yeah. I think it's really, and it's, and I'm sure like, I know doulas also do this, but just having, Wait, setting people ahead. up, um, mm -hmm for like knowing what to expect yeah. with labor too a little bit like um and of course like I'm always very respectful and cognizant of their mm -hmm. providers maybe um yeah you know like if there's a position or something that they want to try yeah. but their provider doesn't feel like that's like the safest like with that caveat as well but at least just like telling walking them through their options but options I think are really important you know, and yes. like, and like to know your options beforehand, you know, I, I think is really great and that there's, mm -hmm. there's different ways. That's really cool. That's, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I mean, just even from this, you know, short, shortish conversation, I mean, there's just so much that you guys provide <laughs> and yeah. support people with. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I'm really, I really love, I love working. Like we see quite a lot of people, like I said, mm -hmm. like pelvic health is pretty broad. So we see men we see children um I see women older women but I really my my favorite population are just kind of like my bread and butter is like yeah. I love working with people in the childbearing years because you get to see them from you know like during pregnancy and postpartum you get to kind of support them through that whole process so it is it is a really a really fun um population of people to be working with yeah I bet that's awesome Let's see. Um, is there anything else you think that? Um, I think that's like most, mostly it. I just think like, don't wait too long. And yeah. like, tell people like, don't. And I think, well, I feel like a lot of times, especially um, postpartum moms don't prioritize their own health. Oh, like yeah. that's, that's like a really big barrier for people. I think it's like the mm -hmm. babies, they're scheduled around their baby schedule, which is. Yeah part of being a mom, but taking care of yourself just is so, so important. And I think, um, in our clinic, we always offer to let, you know, people can bring their babies with them. Aww. Um, if they, you know, if that's a barrier, but mm -hmm. I just think like taking an hour of your day to like focus on yourself and your health and yeah. get support so that you can feel like rejuvenated and you can feel like you're doing something to improve your health and improve, um, your like your ability to get back to doing all the things that you were doing before or want to be doing um, be so powerful. Yeah, and I think we a lot of women miss that because it's it is a challenge. It's a challenge to um, put some of your needs. You know, we just tend to put our needs aside, and I think that we sh 
as a whole should be encouraging women to, you know, get the services that they need and just, I don't know, they should just know that like if they start taking care of themselves, that makes them a better parent. Yeah. And it, um, it just makes them a happier person in general. So don't wait too long. I think it's, it's, it can be a challenge, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. That's one thing that I tell people about, you know, like, um, when I work with like my own doula clients, right. Or when I teach classes, um, I'm like, as soon as you know, you become a mom, you know, like one of my own mantras is like, I have to take care of me to take care of you. And usually I'm talking about like, I have to feed me so that I can feed you, you know, like I have to put my mask on and then I can put your mask on. Right. You know, like airplane style, but like this also falls into that category. Like I need to take care of me so that I can be like, you know, like a really great version of myself, you know, so that I don't have to rush to the bathroom every time I have to, you know, get the inkling I have to pee or so that I don't have pain so that I can be, you know, kind of happier and more satisfied um, with my own self and in my own, in my own like mom parent life, you know, so that, you know, I can be there for you, my baby. Right. Yeah. And a good example of that would be like, a lot of people have low back pain or pelvic girdle pain and they're like, yeah. I can't baby wear or I can't, like I, I do and it's like torture. I can't sleep all night because, yeah. you know, I'm so sore and it's like, well, like you will be so much happier if we can just like get that to a manageable point, yeah. you know, or, or resolve it all together. When you say low back, <laughs> when you say low back, do you also mean uh, like sciatic pain? Um, yeah. Yep. That okay. is in the, that whole, um, that is in that category. Low back pain can be or sacral pain or SI pain. Yeah. Um, lumbo, I usually call it lumbo sacral pain. It kind of incorporates that whole area, but yeah, sciatic, like any pain that refers down the leg, any of that stuff, we are, um, here to help. That's awesome. And I tell people usually, like, I'm telling them prenatally, you know, like, make an, like, call a pelvic floor therapist and just, like, you know, even if it's just to schedule an appointment. So, like, when do you, I mean, if it, you know, like, perfect world, like, I would recommend you call this time to schedule an appointment with us, with us then. Like, you guys are busy. Like, you just said that. So, when is yeah. a good time for people to call? Because it can be really kind of like, oh, crap, when you're, like, if you are having any leaking when you're trying to do exercise or you do have that pain and then it's booked out like a few weeks in advance it's like I think for us like calling a month or two in advance is a good plan because it's like I know that sounds like so long but right now we are booked out pretty far however that doesn't mean that we can't get people in it just means that like we are constantly like discharging people Mm -hmm. and things are fluctuating but right now like the openings on the schedule are at least a month out even two Okay. Um, and then, but like, if you're talking about like pregnancy, like I don't really have a lot of issues, but I do want to come in. I would say like around 34, 35 weeks is a good time or probably once early on. So you can like get an idea of like, here's how I should be exercising and, or can be exercising, I should say. And, um, here, you know, like kind of checking in with your goals and what do you want your pregnancy to look like and Mm -hmm. how active do you want to be and giving support that way early on. And then maybe towards the end, like around 35 weeks to talk about you know, delivery and preparation for delivery and those kind of things. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I did. I didn't think two months almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's pretty, there's a pretty high demand. We're actually looking into growing a little bit and adding someone on that can help kind of off, offload some of the, you know, so we can get more people in faster, yeah. but yeah. Um, we definitely at our clinic too, we do hour long visits, which is pretty rare. So okay. we're not like, we're not seeing a ton of patients every day because we're really, we're really dedicated to giving people longer time. Like the, the general trend in physical therapy is like less time. It's like 30 to 45 minutes and you're kind of just seeing people back to back all day. But Mm -hmm. we have definitely maintained and want to maintain the model of giving people at least a full hour of our individual time and seeing one clinician each time you come. So with that, you know, I think that people really want that kind of care. So we're, we're busy that way that people want to come here, but also we're not seeing like, you know, 15 people each a day. Yeah. Like our, we're, we're seeing like, you know, seven or eight people a day. And so that's just part of the high quality of care, but also um, there's a little bit of a wait sometimes to get in. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good advice. That's good advice. 
Sounds like you got a little one that's like, hey, mom. She's she's trying to put on shoes that aren't her shoes and needs them like tied and untied and tied and untied. (laughs) So cute. How old are your kids? I have uh, this. The one who's squawking is uh, like 17 months. And then I've got a almost four year old daughter and an almost six year old son. Oh yeah, so a range. You're a busy mom. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, is okay. So you kind—I mean, you kind of said, you know, like come in, you know, make appointments, you know, don't wait. Um, is there any other like advice for you know, kind of like this again, like this childbearing year, like m- you know, make appointments, like coming in, even just for like a check to like see how things are going, especially after having a baby. Um, anything else? I mean, I just think that we need to move as a culture together to more preventative care, like come in and be curious. And if you want, you know, um, you know, if you're curious about your pelvic floor and Mm -hmm. pelvic health in general, like don't hesitate to call. And um, I don't know, I just think we can do so much um, preventatively. And I think also just having awareness that our pelvic health changes through the course of our lifetime. So, and it's never... Mm -hmm. You know, like I think sometimes people are maybe around their like older in their forties or fifties or maybe around menopause and things start to change and Oh yeah. Um it feels like, oh my gosh, like what happened? Um but I think having that like education early on in life and like knowing your baseline and how the pelvic floor functions and how hormones can affect things, like just mm-hmm. having that information is so empowering. So when things come up, you know where to go. Um, it's not so scary. Like, you know, that this stuff can happen through the lifespan. And so I think mm-hmm. just getting more information and being curious about it is really important. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, you know, I didn't even, that's, I feel silly, but like to not even think about like menopause and how that would be a time that seeing a pelvic floor therapist would be a good idea too. Oh yeah. There's a lot of things that change in those years yeah. that we can, we can help with. Oh, I love that. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for your time. Yeah, I loved thank you talking so much to you. For having me. Yeah, yeah, it was so great. I I really appreciate you reaching out and getting yeah. the word out to people. Yeah. And, um, yeah. If anyone um, has direct questions, they can my our Instagram tags. Like that's sometimes a good way to mm-hmm. like direct messages. Um, connect NWPT mm-hmm. is what it is, and then um, info at connectnwpt.com is a good way to. If people have like questions, if they are curious um, or want to schedule an appointment, they can also call the clinic. And again, our clinic name is Connect Northwest Physical Therapy, and they can look that up in Bellingham, Washington. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'll add that. I'll add that to the podcast description so that they can find you in all of those different ways. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing all of this work and for getting the word out and for having me on your podcast. Yeah. And thank you for all the work that you do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. No problem. Have a good night. You too. Bye.